Section 14 of The Haunted Organist of Hurley Burley and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Haunted Organist of Hurley Burley and Other Stories by Rosa Mulholland. The Signor John, two three years passed and i was a staid maiden who did not care much for festas nor gay clothes i was not of so merry a temper as i had promised to be and people thought i was haughty and some of the girls disliked me this was partly owing to nicolo who would say you need not speak to netta she is grown so proud she thinks herself quite a princess since the englishman kissed her hand a little thing gets one a character when gossips are by to talk. Then I did not choose to marry, and that was the worst. For, though suitors might not plead like Placido Lores, yet no one likes to be refused, and their friends resented my coldness. So I was a lonely kind of a creature, and lived in my own way, clinging fast to my father, and only vexed when he would say, when I am dead and gone, who will take care of you and our peevish Niccolo? So things went on, till the avalanche came down upon us, killing my poor father and burying him in the ruins of our house. The goats and kids were killed, and Niccolo was sorely hurt. Only I, as if by miracle, escaped. We sat for many hours on the fallen rocks, till the people from the village reached us, when they brought us down to their houses and treated us like their own i tried to give little trouble for i had nothing to give them in return nothing at all had we saved but the clothes we wore nicolo's arm was hurt so that he could not carve and a woman's work is not much when she has not got a home to work in the housewives in the village had got daughters of their own and nobody seemed in need of a girl to help them the worst was that nobody would love Niccolo, for, besides being utterly helpless, the lad had a biting tongue. Placido's aged mother came out to look at me. When she saw my saddened face, the tears came down her cheek. "'My girl,' she said, "'I have hated you, for you sent my son away, but the Lord has sent you trouble, and I must forgive you.' She brought me into her house, and I told her my bitter thoughts, and that I wanted to go down to the world where wages were given to labor. At Como, she said, are the silk factories, and there is many a way of earning when one gets down to the level world. You used to play the zither and sing a song. That was long ago, I said, and the zither is buried with my father. I fear that all my music is buried with it at your age the music is not hushed so quickly she said kindly and pulled an old zither down from a shelf it used to be sweet enough she added take it with my blessing at least it may cheer your way if it puts no money in your purse and the village shall see to your nicolo though it must be owned he is an imp so I resolved to go down to the level world, to work at the silks of Como, or at anything I could find to do. The zither was to go with me, and Nicolo was to stay at the village till such time as I should have money to come back and fetch him. I took my zither on my shoulder, and a wallet in my hand. 
and committing myself to god i set out on my lonely way niccolo limped along with me half a mile and when we found he could go no further we stopped on the lonely road for a last embrace the poor lad had always loved me dearly and his spirit was quite broken now and he clung to me with cries it was a moment of the cruelest anguish when i had to push him at last from me and to hurry away i heard his sobs behind me for a long way as i went and later fancied i could hear them still in the rush of the falling river and the faint wail of the pines i had passed two pretty villages along my way and the sun had already set when i reached a third there was a glare behind the mountains and a warm golden haze floated in the vale the houses came down a hill and the streets were flights of steps far above the roofs and out of the chestnut trees rose the burning brazen cap of the campanile and the bell was sounding lazily as if ringing itself to sleep the pines i had left behind me in fringe of olive and purple on the dusky heights and here there were only the heavenly laden fruit trees chestnuts drooping over my shoulders cherries dropping into my mouth walnuts lining the roadside and fig bushes thrust in my path vines ran over the walls and upon the crimsoned roofs and clusters of ripened grapes hung in at the doors and windows a cloud of silvery smoke had blent with the haze of the sunset and there was a smell as of burning logs and fragrant wood the next day i passed through still more villages and got down to the flush and bloom of the lombard plains the mountains here became walls of a gigantic garden vines wrapped their terraces and melons ripened in the meadows in the midst of the corn plums were as lumps of gold and the peaches glowed in the fruit-gatherer's basket while nectarines and apricots added perfume to the coloured air great rows of mulberry trees reminded me now of the silkworks and the grasshoppers sang so loud that i took them for birds i got on board a small sailing vessel that plied upon the lake earning my fare by a little music and went singing down to como weary travel-soiled and with blisters on my feet i fell asleep in the middle of my songs and was gently shaken awake again by the captain's merry wife she wore a white and scarlet head-dress and a large cross of gold and crushed grapes out of a basket into her baby's laughing mouth the gaiety here on the lake was a thing to make one stare boats with scarlet cushions ladies in lace mantillas boatmen with dazzling shirts and brilliant sashes the lake glowed with the most exquisite bluish green and out of it rose the palaces with terraces climbing the heights we passed towns like straggling castles whose streets were ladders of stone creeping up from the water and all these wonderful novelties were to me a fantastic dream julia the captain's wife found me a lodging in the town of como a closet under a chimney beside the room where she and her husband had their home in order to reach this nest i had to climb a hundred steps which wound in and out of the houses up to the roofs noises roused me by three o'clock in the morning wheels rolling voices shouting tambourines ringing besides the sound of many novel kinds of music 
I brushed up my dusty clothes and went out to look at the town. The people were holding their market in the piazza of the Duomo, and tables were there set out with provisions piled on them lavishly. The shops under the loggia were already all alive, and the deep amber curtains fluttered gaily out of the arches. Flowers teemed from the dark and crooked balconies overhead, which hung like crazy cages from the upper windows. Colors were flashing everywhere, from brilliant oleander blossoms, like living flames in the air, from the gay dresses of the people, the piles of monster melons, the red marbles of the broletto, and the duomo's deeper hues. I lifted the heavy curtain and went into the duomo. Mass was over, and most of the people were gone but others kept pouring in, and the place was full. Somebody touched me on the shoulder, and I looked up with a start. Here was Placido in the dress of a boatman. Netta, he whispered excitedly. His face was flushed, and there were tears in his eyes. Oh, Placido Lores, I cried and gave him both my hands. We sat on a bench and whispered in a shady corner of the church. Each had a story to tell, and each had a ready listener. "'My father is dead, Placido,' I said, "'and Niccolo is hurt in the Alps. I have come down here to Como to try and earn money at the silk. This is my whole story, so life is sad enough.' "'I guessed it was so,' said Placido. "'I knew how it must be with you when I saw you crying at the Mass. As for me, I have travelled far.' I have stored crops and driven oxen and helped with the vines in the south. For some months I have been a boatman here on the lake, and yesterday I had it in mind to return to the Alps, but now I believe I'll wait a bit. There's never good in haste. There's a captain's wife who is good to me, I said, it being now my turn again, and she says I shall earn money by singing, for the people here in the plains are as fond of music as ourselves. I sing better than I used to do, and your mother has given me her zither. Little Netta, he said, I have made a good bit of money, and I don't like to think that you must work. I can't forget the day when you declared you could not love me, but maybe if you were to try you might change your mind. It's not that I am much to care for, but the love in my heart is strong." Who knows but that, after all, I could make you happy. Placido, I said, you are a kind man, but as I refused to marry you before, when I had got a home, so I will not accept you now, because I am in need of one. I would not bribe you with anything but just my love, he answered mournfully. So if it cannot be, it can't, and I will not vex you. You must at least let me be your friend, however. My best friend, I said, and after that we walked hand in hand about the church, Placido showing me the pictures and explaining what they meant, and telling me the touching stories that are painted in the jeweled windows. The captain's wife befriended me, and people liked my music, and I could earn more money with my zither than in the factories. The people would gather round me, asking each for his favorite song, and my story got whispered among them, and they were kinder than I could tell. She sings for a helpless brother, they said, and fees were therefore doubled as they dropped in my lap. 
great people also would send for me now from their villas, and I began to save a little money. I had to sing one evening at a palace on the lake, and it was dark when I took my seat in the veranda. The lake glittered with moonlight, and all along the terraces hung dimly colored lamps. A crowd of gay figures had gathered on the marble steps that led into the water. When I sang, everyone listened. When I ceased, I was forgotten, save that somebody went to a table and fetched me wine. I looked up to thank this somebody and saw the Signor John. Little Netta! he exclaimed, amazed. Can it be possible that this is you? Yes, Signor, I said. Tell me how it has happened, he asked. What can have fetched you down out of the snows to Como? My father is killed by the avalanche, I said, and I am earning money for Nicolo, who is hurt in the Alps. It is now time for me to go, Signor. Goodbye. Stay, I am going with you, he said, and he followed me out on the hill, carrying my zither. Sit down and rest, he said, when we had gone a little way. But I still have to get to Como, I said, and I want to rest in my bed. That is true, said the Signor, smiling. Let us then take a boat at once. I looked up the water and assured myself that Placido was nowhere waiting for me. I stepped into the Signor's boat and went floating with him down the moonlit lake. How beautiful you have grown, Netta, said the Signor as we went. Did I not tell you that you would be a woman when we should meet again? I gravely shook my head. I remembered that he had not come back even to see if I were alive. You have also grown prim and cold, he added presently. Indeed, you are so changed that I wonder how I knew you. It is only that one cannot always be a child, I said sadly, and he lifted me out of the boat and brought me to the foot of the staircase which led up to my nest in the roof. When I peered down from the top, I saw him looking up. I looked then into the glass at the face which the Signor John had called so beautiful. Placido never told me that I was beautiful, I reflected. End of section 14